What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Blockhash Exploring the Blockchain. Quick message from our sponsor, Nitro Betting. Nitro Betting is a top Bitcoin and crypto betting site that allows you to place bets in casino games, sports books, racing, gaming, you name it. It's your money. You should be able to have fun with it, too, outside of traditional investing. So check out all the action at nitrobetting.eu. All links are in the description below. Enjoy the episode, guys. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Blockhash Exploring the Blockchain, episode 363 today. Really getting up there. Uh, today, I have the founder of Cryotech on the show, JB, here to talk about what they are innovating at Cryotech. We're going to talk about Vox uh, Messenger, Vox Crypto, uh, wallet solutions, everything they're kind of working on. They have a huge umbrella. Uh, JB, man, welcome to the show. This is going to be such an exciting conversation and super Excited to learn more about you and your endeavors today, man. How you doing? Hey, Brandon. How's it going? Awesome intro. It's great to be here. Thank you. Um, here in the UK, it is horrifically frightful, horrible, very British weather. <laughs> Rain outside. Our summer has ended with a jarring halt. I think we only had two weeks of summer in total. So it's dark and dank. And despite what looks like is sunshine on my face, that's all artificial lighting. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I, I don't envy you when it comes to the weather. Unfortunately, I'm a little spoiled living here in Colombia where it's sunny and in, in, in 80 degrees, uh, 365 days a year. Um, but uh, yeah, we I guess there's some benefits potentially to living there, especially within this industry. But in terms of weather, I think I got you beat on that one. <laughs> Almost definitely. <laughs> Uh, let, let's start off with an introduction. I'm sure people would love to know more about you. Like, who is JB? What's your story? How did you wind up where you are today? Oh, okay. Um, it's a bit varied. It goes about the place. Well, uh, actually, myself, I'm originally from Birmingham. I'm just a kid that was to, grew up in a council estate in a, in a part of the United Kingdom. If you don't know the United Kingdom, Birmingham at the time was kind of rough. Um, had a bit of a crime rate, should we say? It's kind of like it was the Midlands of Midlands of gangsterism, basically. So I grew up there in the 1980s when you got great things like poll tax riots and everything everywhere. In fact, my sister and I were almost born in prison because my mother was protesting poll tax riots. Poll tax being a massive tax, which basically mm -hmm. just wanted to rob everybody. It might be much like everything in the UK. So childhood, homeschooled, council estate, went from there, went to college, and originally I wanted to be a filmmaker. But in the UK, you can only kind of get money to make films to either make a Hugh Grant rom-com, which I have no interest in, or to make um, a gang-related dra gang drama filled with black people shooting each other, which, of course, reinforces stereotypes. I have zero interest in perpetrating. <laughs> I'm into mar I like martial arts movies. You know, I like Shaw Brothers, mm -hmm. Chinese Ghost Story. You know, that's my stuff. So after realizing that very, very quickly and getting turned down for loads of funds because my film scripts are freaking wild... Um, I was like, right, I'm going to 3D. Screw it, I'm going to 3D where you can build anything you want and just do anything. And then I started realizing, because of my coding background and my science background, I learned very quickly that with 3D, you can start creating one such wondrous things. Anyway, spin the clock forward. So I go to London, go to university, do my degrees, meet a woman, have four children, 
it, it, it ends a little cataclysmically. That's ended well. I mean, I've got my kids living with me, but mm-hmm. um, I, for one point in time, I didn't have access to my children. And it, we had a cataclysmic breakup. So to kind of stop myself from going insane, I decided, right, I'm going to get into app development and build myself an app. I'm going to build a messaging platform and I'm going to do it so I don't turn to alcohol, drugs and women. And <laughs> then I suddenly realized, you know, there's an actual space for this. When I started researching everything around me. I came to the realization that everything in the world is based on exploitation, be it the transatlantic slave trade of my forebears or be it the uh, Cambridge Analytica brain suck of Facebook. There is exploitation of all of our digital souls going on 24 hours a day. And when you actually look at the cost benefit analysis of what you get as an individual for giving up your digital soul, what do you get? Uh, You get access to platforms for free. But what do these platforms do for you other than increase your sense of self-loathing and make you feel really irked that all of your friends are doing infinitely better than you when the reality is they're not actually doing any better than you. It's just the mirror through which you look at your social media. It just gives you mental health issues. Meanwhile, those companies running those platforms are making tens of millions of dollars every second, every second, just from you clicking a like, just from you telling them what your advertising preferences are. And, you know, it revolted me. I was like, God damn, that's a that's a problem. It basically means that nobody's actually getting a service where they can say that their communications, their ability to communicate, their ability to speak to each other is done so in a manner of privacy and non-exploitation. Bear in mind, there's tons of research which indicates humans communicate more freely, more truthfully, uh, more uh, authentically, actually in privacy, or at least within the assumption of privacy. When we're stared at, when we are observed, when we are spied on, it creates huge mental health issues, which all, go, which all affect our behavioral indexes as well. Now, when you start to look at society around us, yeah, you can see that happening in a big scale. So I thought to myself, you know what, we've got to change some things. So I, so that gave birth to Vox Messenger. Um, and it gave birth basically to a messaging platform that is in orders of magnitude 400 times, 200 to 400 times stronger than any of my competitors, including Signal. In fact, it's a very interesting thing. Um, I've been using post-quantum encryption algorithms now since 2015 for my platforms. Now, the, I, I'm going to skip ahead. People are going to say, what the hell is post-quantum encryption? It is just a buzzword. It just means heavily, heavily protected lattice-based cryptography that is insanely hard to break. Now, something I've noticed in the industry is that our competitor, Signal, has just announced their shift to post-quantum encryption in the last couple of months, which is kind of a good validator. I find it's a good validation of what we've done. Thank you, mm-hmm. Signal. It's great to see that you believed in you believe. I've, I've always used Signal. Signal yeah. was always my go-to. So this is actually a really good opportunity for me to jump off that train onto the onto the yeah. box messenger it's, train. I mean, especially after you saw what happened to Tucker Carlson. You saw what happened to Tucker Carlson, right, with Signal. With Signal? No, what happened? Okay, guys, you've got to Google this. So Tucker Carlson got called into, I believe, uh, into the FBI and was set and was told, so uh, Tucker, what's this we hear about you going to be interviewing Putin and ah, giving him okay. a platform on your platforms? And Tucker Carlson's kind of like, guys, how do you know this? The only way you would know this is because I talked to people on Signal and they said, yeah, we already have your Signal keys. Ah, oh, man. Signal, I don't know how okay. they got that, but damn. Oh, it's easy. Actually, it's kind of easy. Bear in mind, Brian Acton, the founder mm-hmm. of WhatsApp, uh, they, WhatsApp gave $20 million of investment to Signal. Moxie, the founder of WhatsApp, he's kind mm-hmm. of a cat. He's a bit of a character, that Moxie, bit of a personality mm-hmm. CEO. He sometimes says 
one or two things that may get your ass cancelled, <laughs> especially to women. So uh, <laughs> Brian Acton then got ba basically Moxie stood down as CEO of Signal, and mysteriously enough, Brian Acton takes over Signal. Within the same week, all of Signal's servers moved from open source to closed source. Oh, no. I think it kind of tells you everything you need to know about Signal and who they're playing for now. Yeah, I, I've always used Signal because I saw uh, Edward Snowden at one point say that, oh, Signal is the best messenger out there and it's open source and it's private. And so that's why I always used it. But I didn't know that happened out of the table. Like, I got yes, to toss out Signal now. It's, it's one of the biggest bait and switches out there because Signal went closed source over a year ago. Damn. Now, the actual mobile app itself at its core is open source, which is what tricks you into thinking this is awesome. But the thing you really need to look at is the actual servers. The fact the servers themselves went closed source is actually kind of worrying because these are it, it doesn't work just open source in one half. I mean, I can, my software is an open source. My software has open source post-quantum algorithms, which means all of my encryption is fully peer reviewable. But the core software and how that stuff works is still proprietary. We are working on making it, working towards open source, but we just can't at the moment. We are a small outfit who self-fund and, you know, we have some investors, but we're not like, we don't, we don't sacrifice ourselves to VCs because we want to be able to maintain our integrity and actually do the shit that we want to do, basically, mm -hmm. which is we're not about profiteering. We're about putting out a product that people will actually protect people. And Signal, I hate to say this, Signal really have heavily sold themselves in the space as the go-to for every journalist, for every activist. But I'm sorry to say this, people, if you're an activist or if you're a journalist, and yeah, I know people are going to say you shouldn't say this, you need to start reevaluating what you're using. When it goes closed source from open source, that's normally a, a, rare, a bit of a red flag, you know? You know what this means, JB, is I need to find a way to convince my grandma now to switch from Signal, which I had to onboard her on a long time ago and explain. <laughs> Two box Actually, messenger. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. So uh, one of the things that's happening in the European landscape mm -hmm. is that from 20 between 2024 and 2025, every single social media platform and social network and comms platform has to be interoperable. What does interoperable mean? What it actually means is that if you're using, say, Vox Messenger, you should be able to talk to anybody who's on WhatsApp, Signal, Facebook, Instagram, or Telegram without needing to subscribe to their platforms. And yes, we actually have done it. Um, we're actually going through, we're focusing on Vox Crypto and the current iteration of Vox Messenger, but the next generation version of Vox Messenger, which we're releasing in summer 2024, is not only completely decentralized, as in there is no central servers of any kind for you to worry about having to have open sourced in the first place, it is also interoperable, which means you'll be able to look in your contact list and anybody that's on any other platform, you won't have to get them to sign up to you. You won't have to onboard them. You'll literally be able to just tap them and use and actually talk to them inside of your Vox Messenger client, just the same as if you're on their clients. Interesting. It's kind of oh, like we're doing that for free. Yeah. Nice, yeah. man. It's kind of like Proton Mail, huh? Where you can kind of send messages like through like Gmail as well and like, yeah, receive them, is, but you still have yeah, the benefits so of Proton. Yeah, it's very much, I would say we're probably closer to Element and Matrix. Okay. Now, if you look at the history of the Matrix Foundation and Element, the Matrix Foundation is founded by a guy who, funnily enough, also worked with Signal originally uh, and WhatsApp. 
but he actually went off and did his own thing because he's actually ethical and wasn't in it to sell secrets to the U.S. State Department. You know, he was there for a purpose. Bear in mind, look at where Signal was founded from. Signal made its money from uh, originally got its initial funding from U.S. DO, uh, US State Department funded funds, which are there to fund projects in countries of interest under the guise of providing protection for activists. It's, it kind of is and it isn't. It's kind of a program where we'll fund you because you can do something to help us potentially bring democracy to that country. You see, you, you see what mm. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk about some of the benefits of Vox Messenger, maybe over things like Signal. Like, what do you guys do differently? I know we mentioned the uh, post-quantum encryption. You know, what are some of the other benefits, the other uses, uh, the things worked in, baked into it? Uh, that I can convince my grandma of, because I'm going to have to do that at some point, as well as my <laughs> friends and family. Um, so what does it entail? Tell me. Okay. So at the moment, we're only on Android, but we are releasing on iOS in about three weeks. I have um, Android. That's perfect. <laughs> anybody sensible has fucking Android. I mean, right? bear in mind. Let's <laughs> Whole other conversation. Get, I mean, let's not get twisted. If you believe an Apple user, they run the world. But if you actually look at mobile stats, they're like about 10, less than 10, less than 20% of actual global mobile usage is actually mm -hmm. Android, Symbian, and feature phones around the rest of the world. Bear in mind, we're talking about the rest of the world as in BRICS nation outside of the Western, uh, you know, the Western paradigm, as it were. Mm -hmm. the, you know, they are the, the, the biggest market. So we've, um, we've got iOS coming out, and we've also got a desktop client coming out for Windows and uh, Mac as well. So unique features. A, uh, at our core, we have open source post-quantum encryption algorithms, which are lattice-based cryptography, which are all NIST finalists. NIST being the US foundations tasked with the standardization and the auditing of this technology. We also have a number of special features. One of them is Incinerate. Now, with Incinerate, as you know, every Facebook, everybody says, delete for everyone. Mm -hmm. But what it should actually say is, delete for everyone but us. Because the reality is, Facebook and WhatsApp, they keep a copy of that message, even once you've deleted it on their server, in any case, for ads revenue metrics generation and general analytics. It's there. Mm -hmm. um, we can demonstrate, actually, in real time, that even though we have a database, which is based on Firebase, because it's cheap and we're a startup, by the way, hence why we're doing the new version, which is completely decentralized and has no database of any kind. With it being Firebase, everything is completely end-to-end -end encrypted. No one can read it. I can't read it. Google can't read it. No one can read it. Not even the British government can read it. And that's why they're kind of a little bit irks. No one. Not even the NSA, I'm afraid. They haven't, they haven't managed to penetrate these ones yet. Um, Incinerate deletes the message and content from the sender handset, the receiver handset, anybody in the group conversation, and every transit and storage server that it went through at that time, which basically means it functionally truly disappears. Even Signal claimed to have disappearing messages, but again, are they really disappearing? Given that the server is closed source, you wouldn't know. I mean, I actually invite, we actually are willing to even book uh, previews so people could actually see this happening in real time. That's how confident we are in our tech which is a pain in the ass. Trust, it's going to be a pain in the ass for a thousand people ask for that. But you know what? I'll make time and we'll do it because I'm about transparency and accountability. So incinerate, true message deletion. Um, we also have, um, we have already have uh, encrypted HD video calling as well, but we're mm -hmm. expanding that out so that we'll be directly competing with Zoom. So you will be able to do all of your Zoom kind of calls inside of Vox Messenger. And I worked out that we're 
roughly two to five pounds cheaper per month than Zoom are anyway. Oh, and our stuff is natively encrypted. Whereas Zoom, you have to enable that later. Interesting. Um, we also that's coming in. We're also going to be in, in, uh, integrating directly Vox Crypto into our system. So basically, very soon you'll be able to do crypto transfers, crypto purchase, and crypto sale within your messenger natively. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Cryotech built the Western version of WeChat before Twitter and Elon Musk did. Yes. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> and and before X, I guess, because I think Elon is moving that direction too. Yeah, I mean, it's, sorry, Twitter. I still call it Twitter. I'm never going to call it X. Sorry. It's always going to be Twitter. It's it always going to be Twitter I, to me. It, look, I get confused as hell now. I mean, by the way, X is a beautiful example of branding because when you move from one brand to the other, mm -hmm. it does become confusing. I mean, I'll give you an example. And Elon, I know you don't watch any of my stuff because I'm such a small fry, but if you did, here's a, here's a note for Twitter. Every time I look at my phone, I get scared because it looks like porn. Some porn thing is saying a porn notification on my phone because I see XXX come up in media. Like, oh! <laughs> and it makes me afraid to actually look at what it is, you know, on my phone in public. I mean, that's seriously. You, going from something is so core recognizable as Twitter to mm -hmm. X is an incredibly jarring experience. I mean, I don't even ever visit the X domain. I visit the Twitter domain still on my phone. My finger doesn't look for X. It looks for the blue bloody bird and it keeps doing so. So of course, everything takes longer. So for new mm -hmm. users, X is brilliant. But for us pre-existing users, it is a bit of a chore actually. <laughs> I just changed the name from X to Twitter. So even though I can't like see the blue bird, I, I know that in my mind, that is what Twitter is supposed okay, to be. I'm going to have to do that. It'll stop me tapping on everything in the wrong place. Yeah. Exactly. Um, talk more. Tell me more about the the Vox Crypto. How's that going to be integrated? What's it kind of going to look like a little bit? Is it just going to be a wallet? Is there going to be like a um, some kind of built-in payment integration or address reading? Or is it just Bitcoin? Is it general crypto? Is it going to have tokens, NFTs? Like, what what all do you see that encompassing? Okay, so Vox Crypto, which we are going to be soft launching on the twelfth of October. Um, is a standalone app available on Android, iOS, and yes, desktop and browser. We do have a, a, a browser extension coming as well. And what does Vox Crypto do? Basically, Vox Crypto salt was I, the purpose of Vox Crypto wasn't just to be a, a secure crypto wallet that is run by a company that is undergoing FCA, which is a Financial Conduct Authority registration. So we're an actually financially regulated crypto wallet, which is in itself. Uh, pretty much a unusual thing in the crypto space. Mm -hmm. Not only are we officially financially regulated and audited, but we have also solved another problem, which is if you're running a, any form of crypto project or you just wanted to send crypto to your friends and family, it's bloody expensive. I mean, you either, you're either competing with monster rampaging gas fees at all kinds of different times of the day because... You know, we got everybody in the industry like Ryder Rips and everybody pump and dumping bloody meme coins and shit coins left, right and center. Or we just have stuff that doesn't work, you know, periodically, like some elements of Solana at times. So what we've done is we actually streamlined it. So we have actually made it so you can actually do group transactions and pay a single optimized gas fee plus our transaction fee, but it's still cheaper than a combination gas fee. So for example, say you wanted to say $100 times 50 to 50 different, you know, $100 to 50 different people in a group. That would be 50 times 50 
time mm -hmm. plus whatever the transaction fees are at the time, bearing in mind that when you start at the beginning of your transactional journey of sending these people money, you're watching your gas fees incrementally go up on a scale every single time you do it. So if you're trying to send in bulk, it is a, it's going to cost you actually potentially more than the total cost of what it is that you're sending. It's batshit mental. So what we've done is created a really cool smart contract that actually wraps all of these into a single transaction. So even though it gives you a single gas fee transaction, you also still, it's still clever enough to give you all of the individual transaction IDs. So you still get fundamentally individual transactions. It's just we've used our Wirefu to get you that single optimized gas fee, which is still cheaper than the sum total of all of them individually. Because why? Because of course the gas fee is set at that one point in time and it's not rising scalar in comparison to each of your transactions as you're paying those transactions across the group. So this basically means our that group transaction is comes into about less than a third mm -hmm. of what you would pay total and our transaction fee and our transaction fees, we're still playing around and trying to work out what the optimal is. That isn't going to be onerous uh, and crippling, but still actually allows us to run the damn platform. And we're looking at between one and three percent. But again, we've designed the system in such a way that we can actually alter that transaction fee percentage on the uh, on the fly without having to reissue the app. So if we find, get feedback from customers that 3% is too high or something like that, or, for whatever, or there's a market condition that is affecting it, we mm -hmm. will actually proactively lower that transaction fee as well. So say gas fees are going mental over a right. period. Say Yuga Labs are like, we're going we're gonna to crap on the Ethereum network again with another other world <laughs> to break everything. We're mm -hmm. going to be like, oh, crap, we know that's coming. Guys, we're just winding everything down to 1% because we know gas fees are going to be like, you know. Right, right. I, that's something I hate about the Ethereum ecosystem so much, you know, for a chain that's been around for as long as it has and for, you know, dominating the global DAP market still to this day and having really good stiff competition, they suck. I'm sorry, but Ethereum just sucks when it comes to transaction fees. That should not be happening still. And oh, even gosh. after implementing... Uh, the Shanghai upgrade earlier in the year and doing all these things, fully moving to proof of stake, you still haven't seen ah. really anything change. And it's, you, it's you know why though, right? For for what? Okay, so the the merge was the single the merge of the Shanghai upgrade was potentially the single biggest threat to conventional banking that was happening, other than Solana and other platforms, because Ethereum was about to become mainstream operational prices. Now, this is what I really hate about proof of stake. Proof of stake removes decentralization. Proof of stake, I'm going to be honest, sorry, mm -hmm. I know lots of people are going to hate me for this. I'm going to say No, no, no I, I agree with you. Worst thing to happen to freaking crypto, seriously, since, since, uh, since FTX and bloody Terra Luna. Seriously, proof of stake is one of the biggest problems out there because it allows any banking institution or any financial institution with even the modest amount of clout to literally corner an entire area. And this mm -hmm. is what we have happening. You know, Ethereum is no longer really a truly international cryptocurrency. It's American. 98% of all of the bloody nodes in the US now, and over a third of them are being controlled by massive financial institutions. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the banks and everybody are saying to us, crypto's unsafe. Meanwhile, they're going off there, increasing their position on Bitcoin like a mofo. Yeah, the reason they're doing that is because they don't want the rest of us doing it. It's like proof of work. Proof of work is actually the only true blockchain that's actually truly worth a damn. Uh, they will tell us that it is environmentally unsafe. It is not. There is a there is a there's kind of a half truth, half lie to this. So mm -hmm. 
when a fusion technology becomes mainstream, which is basically by the end of 2030, there's loads of there's loads of commercial enterprises and fusion happening right here and now in the United Kingdom, the EU and the US. It's here. It's coming. Free energy is here. Once proof of work, once you have fusion technology, proof of work all of a sudden becomes the single most feasible way of actually transacting energy because cryptocurrency actually is at its core just the transaction of energy. It's not actually the transaction of money. That's just the, the bacon bits. It's actually physically the transaction of energy and of us energetically doing something or energy being poured into running a server for the proof of work system. The half of the lie that is environmentally unsafe that everybody's not telling you is that proof of work is not environmentally unsafe, actually. Proof of work only becomes environmentally unsafe if a bad actor or financial organization decided to want to corner it because it means they need to create processing power that is four times that of what's currently in the system to actually overtake it. So mm -hmm. that's what they, so it's kind of a half roof. Yes, proof of work, proof of work is ecologically unsound, but only if we try to corner it. So let's move you all <laughs> onto proof of stake where we can control and monitor every damn thing you do. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Pro proof of yeah. stake should be renamed to proof of cloud because essentially yeah. how it works is, you know, if you are a large bag holder, then you have priority. And the larger your bag, the more the priority. It's very simple. How is that fair? How is that democratic? It's just more consumer capitalist BS. Exactly. It, it actually undermines the whole point of what blockchain is for. At that point, I just don't even call it a blockchain anymore. It's just DLT. Um, but, you know, that's why I like Bitcoin so much and why, you know, proof of work is such a well-proven and strung out concept that makes so much sense. Um, you know, the whole energy side of it is, you know, well, well overplayed at this point. If you think about it, yeah, Bitcoin as a network uses a lot of energy, but it's the most justifiable use of energy I think of anything else in the world that consumes a tremendous amount of energy you know um, it's a great the, endeavor do you know what the two biggest threats to our ecosystem are in terms of global warming the banking industry has to be one and the mining industry is another one probably no 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 and it's really simple it's really simple okay so uh, the two biggest threats to uh, global warming one starship. Falcon 9. Okay, so every time Falcon 9 heavy booster is being launched, it rips a hole in the ozone layer, which doesn't mm. which doesn't basically reseal itself instantly. It can take hours to days to reseal. Now, Elon Musk's plan is to increase launches of Falcon 9 into double figures over the course of a week and to have at least, what, five Starship launching a week? This basically means He's going to rip a fabric, rip a hole in the ozone layer, which will not have any opportunity to heal at all. That is our single biggest threat to global warming, actually. We actually need to backpedal the number of space launches we're doing until we can actually work out a way of mitigating or reducing the damage to our ozone layer. Because the ozone layer people, we need that. You know, that's that. We really need that. You're going to look blacker than me by the end of, by the end of 24 <laughs> hours with no ozone layer. Trust Seriously. So we have we have excessive space launches, which we do not entirely understand the impact of on the environment around us. We don't understand the ecological. We do not understand the vibrational, the acoustical. There's a whole bunch of stuff we do not understand yet. We have, bear in mind, the vibrational frequency of the Earth, the Schumann frequency, is something that humans actually need. It's something that is part of how we regulate and time our body, bodily functions. The more we interfere with that, 
the more we're actually going to create what we would call aberrant occurrences, which means we could start to see effects on people's psychological state because of this. I mean, there's a lot of really crazy things we're not looking mm -hmm. at enough. Then we have, of course, the billionaires jet-setting about the place on their private planes, including the very... Uh, I'll give you an example. Our own prime minister, Rishi Sunak. Yeah, you. Rishi Sunak <laughs> going to eco-conferences on private planes. I mean, in fact, they all turn up on private planes. That in itself is actually a bigger... E when you actually watch there being an eco-conference, you can go online and see the exact number, see all these thousands of extra planes in the air flying to it. That they should they should all commit to getting to the eco conference via canoe or or, yeah. or steam yeah. train walk, or something. Walk their funky asses and their <laughs> expensive ass shoes there. I don't care one way or another. Not using planes. Do not start. It's, it's kind of like this. Yeah, all of these guys are saying, you know, people we need to care about the environment. Yeah, but what about that? What they're doing? They're spending billions on on billions of dollars and and natural resources in launching into space, ripping our ozone layer apart, which is really not really a fundamental necessity for humanity at this point in time, given the stuff, other stuff we have to be concerned with. And then on top of that, they're trying to tell us that we can't drive the cars we want to drive because those cars are the reason why ecology is a problem. You know, bear in mind, at the moment, they're trying to force everybody into EV vehicles. The big lie with EV vehicles, ladies and gentlemen, is they're not ecologically safe. The amount of resources used and CO2 generated to make the damned thing is more than the total than the lifespan of the mechanical petrol guzzling car that you're going to use in the first place. It's just a tax on the poor. Think about it. Mm -hmm. You want to get everybody onto EVs. Yeah, most of us can't afford EVs, not their current price scale, which basically means you're fundamentally putting pressure on the poorest. And, the mo and already the least able in society. These are people who need their vehicles to get to work. Bear in mind, this is such a problem that in France, the French people held down Paris and held it hostage almost for the entirety of summer. You know, France is in riots because of stuff like this. The rest of us kind of just go, okay, give us some more. <laughs> I love my Tesla. Hey, yeah, no. Not, not to I mention wouldn't. the battery problem, too. You know how much lithium they have to extract out of the ground to make all these batteries? It's not just that. When you have a battery and when you have one of those batteries and it explodes, it takes like, what, seven times the amount of resources and emergency staff to put the damn thing out because it's like napalm and won't go out. I mean, and all of these people are driving around in vehicles which have gaping holes in their body panels because of poor quality construction. Batteries not being properly tested, potentially. Why? Just to feed the big mamu and people's egos in the industry, ostensibly. I mean, this is, um, it, i got to be honest, yeah, it's something that grinds me a lot, this, this mm -hmm. industry, what is happening, the way in which people are just trying to rush stuff out as quickly as possible just to make money. I mean, look what's happening in AI. AI is perhaps the, one of the single most disruptive, most dangerous things we could be playing with other than genetic science right now. And we are playing with it with all of the care and concern of a three-year-old playing with Papa's handgun. Yeah, AI is the thing that scares me the most. Like, I, I, I have faith that the, a degree of AI will be very helpful for humanity. But I don't trust people. And people are teaching AI things. And people have a lot of, there's, I'll just say, human error. And Agenda. that human... Yeah, the suggestion, the judgments, the biases, but that yeah. human error, you know, really makes me 
unnerved when they're developing out AI? And then what if the AI learns from just one individual and is skewed to believe certain things or do certain things, you know, and then all of a sudden you have something that could destroy the fabric of humanity. I'll give you an um, example. We've seen early stuff with that, with things like chat GPT. And I don't think it'll be the end of it. I think it'll only progressively get worse until we figure out how to regulate it. Well, it kind of gets worse. The biggest threat in AI is really is actually rooted to one thing, and it's incredibly simple, data sets. So if you look at computer vision, for example, 90% of the computer vision models are, built, are trained on about four data sets, one of which is owned by Microsoft. Now, the biggest problem with all of these data sets is that their population index, as in facial, physiognomy, and diversity, is all made up of the Western paradigm, which basically means it actually doesn't represent actual Earth numbers of population index whatsoever. So we end up with computer vision-based systems which are hyper-tuned to detect and work with Western groups of people to a very specific group. But unfortunately, that group does not actually represent the majority of the world, which basically means the AIs then have a tendency to run over or not stop in front of people who are maybe a little darker skinned, for example. I mean, this has already happened with computer vision systems in some cars, not mentioning whose, um, but they, there is a proportion, there is actually a propensity not to stop under certain conditions. This is a direct result of the computer vision data sets they're trained on. Now, me and many other people have actually pitched super quick fixes for this. It's called synthetic data. It's called randomly generating millions of human faces and metahuman and then put, and then updating these data sets and retraining models. But you know the reason why nobody does? Because nobody's been punished hard enough yet for these AIs not actually being unbiased. Until somebody really gets their wrists slapped, until somebody goes to jail because of their uh, bias-educated AI killing a person, nobody's going to give a crap about it. And that's the saddest thing about all of this. We have some of the biggest names in AI are big money people. Elon Musk, Sam Altman, Bezos. And these are people who, if we actually look at them and we look at their history, um, they've got some skewed ethics. Let's put it that way. They've got some skewed personal ethics, some skewed personal morals. And I know people should say that you should be able to detach a person and who they are away from that which they create. But I would argue that children are a reflection of their parents. Shitty parents, generally shitty children. So yeah, we should be looking at our personality CEOs. And yeah, we shouldn't be laughing when they say something dumb or they make some tweet that is actually kind of phobic against groups of people. We should be going, fuck. We're worried about those guys being in charge of our AIs, actually. We should be worried about people with those kinds of comments and those kinds of thoughts and processes and access to power being in charge of AIs that can actually influence our lives. You know, so, it, it really matters. Right. It does. This, this is why I try to be transparent. This is the reason why I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve. And I'm really honest. And this is the reason why it takes me longer to get funding. And this is why governments don't mm -hmm. particularly like me, because I'm, I will be very straight down the line and consistent. And I will, what's the saying from Scarface? I will not bust my balls and my, I will not break my balls and my word for nobody. And sure as yeah. hell, not for the green, not for the big mammoth, you know, <laughs> and definitely not for the government to try and go, come on, we'll make No, no. I'm definitely very much on the side of the people on this one.
it, it's you refreshing know. to hear that too, because there's so many people that would just, you know, suckle on whatever the government gives them at this point, right? And yeah. you know, play by their rules, play by their game, get what they want out of it, and and call themselves revolutionaries and innovators in in, in AI and blockchain and whatever, mm -hmm. simply because they're abiding by whatever rules laid forth in front of them. Um, you know, Zuckerberg does it. Elon does it to a degree. He takes smart, um, smart contracts, uh, government contracts, <laughs> right? Uh, Bezos, uh, you name it. Every major billionaire, multimillionaire out there that's running a major tech company. Sam Altman as well. He's trying to be the next Elon Musk, I think. I think he's also got a space company. Um, well, the thing, okay, so just so people get this, yeah, cryotech, we have a pathway to universal basic income, and it does not involve sticking your eyeball, your eyes into a silver orb of dubious provenance and dubious software and giving up your retinal index for it. I mean, you've got to love how he targeted the most, the poorest countries to do this with. You know, he targeted the groups mm -hmm. of people who will say yes to giving up their digital identity for only 40 to 100 dollars. With WorldCoin? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that whole thing was crazy to me. I could not believe people would stand in line these massive lines just to get scanned. I'm like, what yeah, are you look at doing? How poor people, yeah, but look at how poor people are right now. And these, and sorry, I'm going to say it, rich assholes, they, as opposed to thinking what has the highest impact, they think about what has the highest impact for them. Now, if we look at the way the world is shaping right now, yes, I know people talk about aliens or alien-shaped cakes, and people talk about the <laughs> Animati, this, that, and the other. But the reality is things are not as complex as that. It's a lot simpler. There is a narrative reason why Sam Altman would want to collect a database of as many people's retinas as possible. And all of the reasons are kind of scary reasons. So yeah, we should be worried. Anybody claiming that they're doing... I'll give you an example. The WorldCoin proposition was hilarious. It's like loads of detail about taking your eyeball, but then really very little about universal basic income or even how he's going to deliver universal basic income or how universal basic income is generated. Ladies and gentlemen, we have already published how we can generate universal basic income. We have flowcharts of how it happens. It's very simple. We have products that generate revenue. We're not greedy assholes. I don't ever want to be a billionaire. We're putting 60% of all of our mm -hmm. all of our profits from cryotech and our companies into a universal basic income that will drive a drop adoption of Vox Pay and Vox Crypto. Everybody who uses it will get money, will get a piece of our profits back for free every month. You ain't going to be giving up your eyeball for it. Yes, we're building in mechanisms to make sure people don't game the system and cheat it. But the cold hard reality is people are going to game it and cheat it. I'm not going to try and take somebody's digital soul because of that. Hey guys, quick message from our sponsor, Nitro Betting. Nitro Betting takes your desire for anonymity seriously and allows you to play without the need to worry about identity checks and personal information. It's a betting site, not an investment site, so you should be able to just have fun. As a top trusted Bitcoin betting site, Nitro Betting has truly got your back. Now, back to the episode, guys. Now, you've got to question people's uh, reasons why they do things all the time. I mean, people will talk about, say, will say that Elon Musk is doing good things. Yes, he is. The technology he's developing does have real utility, actually. Unfortunately, it's also the other side of things that can be done with it that worries me. And it's also the people that he ethically and morally aligns himself that cause that problem. Because, yes, I get the whole thing about Democrats, Republicans, anti-establishment, this, that, and the other. Ladies and gentlemen, they're all flip sides of the same coin, they are the same. There's no difference between them. It doesn't mean shit if Elon Musk is backing one guy over another. 
they're the same. They ain't going to give you freedom. You know, just, I, I hate to say this, general public has better chances of going into their back garden, getting a pitch, pitchfork and having a good old fashioned Robespierre style French revolution. That is what affects change, not cozying up to billionaires, listening to their promise, their promises and hoping that every time they pump and dump a coin that you'll be able to ride along on their coattails and become rich like them too. No, you won't. They will. Their friends will. You won't. Look at everybody who did this. People jumped all over um, F uh, Terra Luna and Duquan. Mm -hmm. Bear in mind, he did exactly the same thing. He targeted India. He targeted China. Sorry, he targeted Africa. He, he targeted some of the poorest population indexes in the world to exploitatively remove money from their pockets. And any and I hate to say I just see it the whole time. I mean, I've been in the crypto space a while, and anybody who knows me will probably know me from a few uh, Twitter live spaces. And yeah, I'll be very blunt about what I about what I think at the end of the day. And yeah, I'll call shit out when I see it. And in the crypto space, I'm sorry, it is full, it is full of the same disingenuous dick riding BS yep. we see everywhere. It really is. It's like, I mean, what's the let we got this Pepe coin stuff? I mean, without naming names, <laughs> they already they already know who they are. But part of the reason why we have gas fees rampaging so high is because of the clutter on the network. Let's not get it twisted. And where does this clutter come from? It comes from certain people who claim that they are anti-fascist and anti-racist and, and they don't like Hugo Labs either, but they're quick enough to put out a meme coin that has racist connotations and backgrounds and make money off of it while claiming that they're doing it to be counterculture. No, you, no you're not. <laughs> you're doing it for the big mamoo. You want that, you want that pump and dump payday. Which is, and that's what Pepe Coin turned into. One of the the next biggest pimp and dump. We got another one, AP, Pepe APX, which oh God. the founder has just revealed was an AI created coin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't even thought about that possibility. Wait until we have AI smart enough to destroy decentralized markets by clogging up chains with with Pepe coins and memes. Like that, that 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 that's a bad reality. Actually, I think it's already happening to some extent because if you actually look at all the biggest, a lot of the biggest players, yeah, this is probably going to get my ass cancelled off every crypto show straight away. That should not last long. Um, if you you're, look you're safe here, names, man. Go for it. <laughs> if you look at a lot of the biggest names in the space, they're taking money from a lot of the biggest VCs in the space, which are indirectly connected to Sequoia and BlackRock, amongst others, who have their biggest investments in actual centralized finance. So basically, you have the biggest movers and shakers in, in dark money sitting behind some of the biggest mouths and movers and shakers in crypto. And then you all of a sudden start realizing what is happening. We have mainstream banking literally strangling the crap out of the thing coming along that can kill them. Imagine it like this. you got blockchain, proof of work blockchain. It's like this. Basically, it's this big kind of imagine Akira and you're trying to hold down Akira and that's the banking institutions <laughs> now with proof of stake they're trying to really they're trying to really hold down Akira and start and pray they can keep everybody defunded and screwed before fusion technology comes along and by the way this is it ladies and gentlemen the end of mainstream banking is the day fusion technology turns on and becomes mainstream the minute that first fusion reactor fusion reactor turns on beep, and electricity drops to less than a fifth of a cent per kilowatt that's it it's done for mainstream finance because all of a sudden blockchain bitcoin 
proof of work has a scalability capability. It has its capability for speed all of a sudden because the limits are taken off of it. Yeah, that's it. That's the end. This is the reason why BlackRock has, as I said, I think something like the third biggest world position of blockchain, of actual Bitcoin. And Bitcoin miners, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tells you everything you need to know, ladies and gentlemen. Don't listen to the banks and them telling you that it's bad for you. Don't listen to the SEC. Work out, do your own research. Don't be an idiot. Oh, and by the way, keep your money off bloody... Uh, exchanges. Uh, exchanges, yeah. I mean, look at what happened to everybody on FTX. I've been telling people this for years. If you look at the terms and conditions... They can take control of your account and seize your assets in the event of them coming under uh, dissolution or financial strain. I mean, this is the reason why. Back to Vox Crypto, we have a partnership with Transac for all of our on-ramping and off-ramping, which means you won't have to use Coinbase or Binance or any exchange to top up our crypto wallet on your mm -hmm. app, on your mobile phone. You can do it with your credit card, debit card, or bank account. We also have a partnership with WalletGuard. Wallet Guard being the biggest name in the space right now for making sure that they our, our crypto wallet simulates a transaction before the transaction takes place. So you can know if it's a wallet drainer or if it's a bad actor or some other kind of BS. Oh, that's and interesting. We also have, and we also have Wallet Connect as well. So how, 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 does, how does that work? I haven't heard that one before where you can like wallet test Guard, like an address. You, you no, know, Wallet Guard are amazing. You need to check these. Okay, everybody download the Wallet Guard uh, Chrome extension. It will simulate your actual wallet transaction and actual smart contract interaction without you having to sign the contract. Hmm. This basically means it can test the functionality of it before actually doing it. And we're incorporating that. There's only one, only one of our competitors has already done that, and that is MetaMask, but they have not incorporated the entirety of WalletGuard. We are. We're actually incorporating the entirety of WalletGuard, including phishing tracking because they also have the world's biggest database of actual honeypots and phishing platforms out there in the crypto space. So all of your transactions, you'll be able to track, check before going ahead, basically. Yeah, that that is where they get a lot of people is connecting to those smart contracts. Like mm -hmm. I, I even got hit with MetaMask like a year, year and a half ago, um, where I was trying to connect to a Polygon bridge. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was on the right side, I was on the wrong site. And it just, it was the first one that popped up on Google and I just made a rookie error and connected my uh, MetaMask and they drained everything, sold all my NFTs, took all my tokens. I was like, shit, fuck. Well, it gets worse <laughs> because a lot, um, I believe in the MetaMask wallets created between 2000, between 2005 and 2022 or something like that, they're mm -hmm. all, they're all kind of automatically compromised because Somebody at MetaMask lost the seed, the, the global seeds to all of those actual seed generators or something. So there's actually oh, there are people out there. Dude, it happened to me. I had um, I had a kid called Beast. And I posted on Twitter. I had it within four hours. It was drained out my wallet by the wallet itself. Damn. That that's, why, that, that's why I don't oh. use any of those light wallets anymore. I don't have no. MetaMask no. anymore. I don't trust it. No, I, I mean, I use uh, as soon as once we've actually uh, when Vox Crypto goes mainline, I'm going to be using it for all of my stuff. But at the moment, I use Trust Wallet. Trust yep, Wallet. I have that one too. It's not the easy. I mean, the design is. I mean, MetaMask has got a more intuitive design, but Trust mm -hmm. Wallet, it works. Although Wallet Connect, the shift from Wallet Connect to V2 that nobody else seemed to have done yet means mm -hmm. it, it just doesn't work on most sites at the moment now. I'm just like, ah. But yeah, we're, we're using Wallet Connect on ours as well because it's actually a lot safer than other ways of connecting to these systems. And because we combine it with Wallet Guard, it means we're covered. 
And we're also doing a part, we're looking at partnership with a, another API firm that does a real-time threat analysis of different industry sectors. And we're going to be incorporating industry-wide threat analysis inside of your app. We're also going to be adding contact threat awareness, which is where we the AI is analyzing how your contacts behave in the social space and whether or not there is a high chance that they will actually bring a threat to you or not. Oh, yeah. We're talking about probabilistic threat analysis. Oh, yeah. That's good I love stuff. it. It might be it might be too deep for, I think, the, the average person. But, I mean, I can see a whole group of people geeking out on that and analyzing the shit out of everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we are working towards inc incorporating crypto track and trace into the application so that if you lose a shit out of your wallet, you'll actually be able to get it. You'll be able to find it and locate it. Because bear in mind, finally, the real world laws are starting to synchronize with the virtual world. People are finally facing real world punishments for being crypto dicks. I mean, admittedly, picking up a founder and shoving him in the back of your car and roughing him up is probably like the top end scale of things. But I get mm -hmm. it. You know, after this stuff right? going on, yeah, I, 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 I get it. But don't forget, what was that guy in the crypto space who's just been given two lifetimes um, for mis-selling on an exchange? So, you know, it is happening out mm -hmm. there. Finally. It is. It is. What, what about like a YubiKey ledger hardware wallet type of integration? Have you thought about having something? Yeah, um, um, I have. But when uh, we were actually going to seek a partnership with Ledger originally, but then when mm -hmm. the when Ledger tweeted, well, you know, us and pretty much any hardware manufacturers, we can pretty much just take your stuff if we want to do it anyway. We just don't. As soon as he tweeted that, I thought, nah, nah, sorry, mm -hmm. nah dumbass serious i mean even if it's true dude there is another way of presenting that information that doesn't scare the shit out of your all of your customers quite rightly you know i mean when i read that i'm like i got two of your bloody keys in my drawer you dick what <laughs> seriously so um we are looking at it i mean we are looking one of the some of the things we're looking at though is i don't believe that hardware is the only solution there are other uh, by layering different types of behavioral technologies, we can also achieve the same result. Just because something is a piece of hardware does not innately make it secure. Bear in mind, the thing that makes us the least secure is actually our own personal behavior. I work in mm -hmm. cybersecurity. I've, <laughs> I've seen how people behave. I've seen how people will go into somebody's house and leave their phone unlocked just anywhere, or how people leave their phones on their tables when they go out for a cup of coffee. Ladies and gentlemen, you only need somebody like me to walk past you with, say, uh, a flipper zero. And I got... And oh, I got those everything. things are cool, man. Oh, dude, yeah, I got one. I, def I got me one of those. You I, just I, walk I, around and hack everything? <laughs> there is no closed door to me. Let's put it that way. Nice. Um, this, this is the problem, though. The world is changing. We are living in the 21st century, which means I, I know we would like to let people say, oh, but why can't it just be simpler? Yes. We can all wish for simpler times when there wasn't TVs and there was medieval ages and there was a thing called prima noxa and there was syphilis and cholera. Yes, it was simpler times, but we all died a lot sooner and we mm -hmm. didn't have Netflix. So, you know, you kind of got to weigh it up a little bit, guys, with the whole I wish we had simpler times. BS. Just adapt. Just evolve. Evolve. And, and by the way, there are going to be some listeners to this going, oh, assholes, just evolve. Not that easy. Actually, we're in I, have, I have so many people that are just like, I wish we could go back to when we read books and did all these things. I'm like, what's the last book you read? And they're like, well, yeah. I haven't read a book in a while. And I'm like, well, that's uh, the problem. Yeah. It, it's it's yeah. not the medium. It, it, it's the fact that not learning at all, not evolving, not adapting. Yeah, I mean, I, I learn something new literally every other day. 
as and when it comes to core technology i am constantly refreshing and updating that's what is evolution is a constant thing we have got too used to complacency comfort comfort is actually a bad thing comfort makes you lazy comfort mm -hmm. makes you i'll give an example look at the industry if we look at messaging all of the messaging platforms were very comfortable. They had their user base and they had no competitors. And that's the reason why there has been zero innovation in the space pretty much until I came along and brought Outbox Messenger. If you look at the crypto space, everybody is running around building the same things, not seeking regulation because everybody wants to get make their, make their nut pump and dump and get out before the regulation train comes. But the reality is, is actually there's more money to be made actually in a regulated market that is sustainable. You know, that's not that's not greed, actually. That's actually just looking at the bottom line and looking at sustainability. Yeah, pump and dumps are good. Yeah, pump and dumps are fine. But what do they actually achieve? Nothing. Pump and dumps will give you a spike of money. But then what do you get? You know, this this is pointless. You know, these people are very short. I would say there's a lot in the crypto space. We have a, a lot of short termism. There's a lot of short termists out there looking at like short, short term uh, projects for rapid yield and reward the problem is is that is not sustainable look at the nft market what was it a recent article came out that estimated that 90 percent of all nfts in the market are entirely worthless now mm -hmm. i mean duh. I, who saw that one coming honestly oh. they're just jpegs <laughs> oh let, don't let's not get let's not start getting taught i mean don't forget we have all those maxis who are obsessed with ordinals which is by the way by the way ordinals okay we should be worried about ordinals because ordinals are going to do to Bitcoin what meme tokens are doing to Ethereum. And that's the reason why these banks and all these big money players. Remember what I said? The biggest mouths in the space are all backed by the biggest dark money in the financial space. And they're all pushing ordinals. They're all pushing a thing that will clutter up the network and reduce TPS rate even more. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Just as fusion, just as about two different companies announced, they'll have fusion reactors online by 2026, 27, 28. Very interesting. So that also the work is already what is already happening, people. But again, let everybody just look at ordinals and how they can make it make a tiny little bit of money off of that right now. Think of people need to start thinking long term. This is not about us. This is not about the now. This is about what happens with our children. Our grandchildren. Yeah, I don't think the base layer for Bitcoin will ever be truly used for payments. I think it's well beyond that point now where I do think obviously people will buy it and hold it because they see it as a digital asset more than they do money. And I think if Bitcoin is used for payments like directly, it will likely have a layer like Lightning Network probably to facilitate yeah. that. So I, I don't see ordinals going away. I don't know, you know, to the extent that they will blow up or maybe they'll just come in phases who knows? No, but it is already, an issue. It, it's already blowing up. And I, again, I see a lot of push. I mean, if you look at some of the biggest projects on Ethereum, they're, what are they doing? They're now replicating themselves on ordinals. So if you start scaling that up, that's a really rapid attack, actually. that is You could almost consider that a kind of like a data dump DDoS attack happening on the chain, basically. Now, if every, say, you, uh, we've already got Yuga Labs with their really pointless paintings, which are just not being funny, I replicated one in, in Photoshop in less than three minutes. That's how mm -hmm. that's how world-shatteringly amazing they are. Um, again, it's just this is being led by a group of people who all have a financial interest in maintaining the status quo. Yuga Labs, 
um, all of these other projects, like Zagabon's projects, none of them have actual any interest or actual benefit to decentralization. Actually, they don't get a benefit. They get a benefit from proof of stake. They get a benefit from locked up money. They get a benefit from a centralized system. So all of these people who are really like dick riding all of these big projects saying, yeah, you know, I mean, this is about blockchain, Rector, blah, 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 blah. No, guys, you're actually making it worse. You're part of the problem. Stop stop infantilizing these, these founders and treating them like they're gods. No, they're just normal human beings who need to be held accountable. We need to stop pretending that when a founder misses a deadline for a launch, that it's okay. No, it's not okay. Sorry, that FT, NFT, it looked like this. When you go to PC World and you buy a computer, yeah? Do you go to PC World and go, by the way, I'm okay with waiting like six months for you to build it? No, you bloody don't. It's there. It's done. I think we can move past. I think we're all old enough. And I think the industry is all old enough to move past the point of, of actually believing when founders say, we need to do millions of token raise and we promise we're going to build you something. That's always a big mistake. I mean, that was always a big mistake from get-go. If you're... I, I hate to say it, it mirrors what it happens in the investment market. In one of my companies, Dijin, which is where we do volumetrics and 3D scanning, we are mm -hmm. going through a raise at the moment. And it's fascinating. I mean, the amount of people who go out there, they haven't even got a product. We've got a product, but I'm outspoken, so it takes me longer to raise. There are other people out there, a lot of them, who have literally got a business plan and a financial model that promises to mm -hmm. make money. But no product, not even a fucking MVP, nothing other than maybe a, a little demo or some screenshots on Figma. And they will raise millions on this. But then what actually gets happened? Do most of the investors get their return? No. Only the first investors get their return. And it becomes this giant-ass pyramid scheme where people are just having to keep recruiting more investors on board, more shareholders, more iPods, more raises, more, 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 more. Until you get to the point of being, say, like Airbnb, or like, say, oh, there's quite a few companies out there that to this day still aren't up. Spotify, which still isn't profit generating to this day, even with the, I think they're like on what? They've done like, uh, they're on F raise now, F? You know, it kind of shows you how many times they've had to go out with the begging bowl to keep shit rolling. Has anyone I'll, gotten to Z on raise yet? <laughs> fuck knows. I mean, I'm very different. I built Vox, I built Vox Messenger mm -hmm. by hand from 2015 and I was doing things like working on a building site being a building site laborer, site supervisor, doorman, all kinds of crazy jobs um, just to fund this thing. So I could build it the way I wanted to build it. So I could build it the best way, the most secure way. I build stuff. I get it working. I mean, Vox, Vox Messenger are over 70,000 users now in over 40 countries. And that's all organic. No marketing, no ads, no pay for, no BS. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm doing the same thing with Vox Crypto. We're not going out there getting matchy or rider or rider rips or any of these big names we're not going for big partnerships with big projects like yuga labs because it is the most disingenuous bs thing i could ever think of in a million years and bear in mind i'm not a guy who's going to spend the last three years on twitter live spaces pointing out all of these people's problems just so i can dick ride them to get my app out sorry nah no 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 i'd much rather take longer release my app to be honest right. so um with Vox Crypto, speak with again the same thing. We would have already launched Vox Crypto three weeks back, but we had the um, the smart contract was audited, and I and I found three green because you know in the traffic light system we found three green le green level issues, which mm -hmm. means they could be released. But being somebody that works in cybersecurity, I also know that you can cluster 
zero days. You can you can take things which may seem to be very low level, combine them, and all of a sudden becomes a high level attack. So mm -hmm. that that reason we delayed launch is because the smart contract is going back into the going back into the oven to have those fixed, which is what's happening right now. So we're ready and prepared, and we're going to audit it again before it's released. And we even or and we we do the expensive shit like we audit after we've published it on mainnet just to make sure there's been no deviations between what the devs have put and have pitched us and what has actually been published you know again it's about that transparency accountability and if there is a problem holding our hands up and going yeah we fucked up on this we're going to fix this you know that's what we that's what cryotech is about it's kudos about to you man kudos to you there's not a lot of startups out there that do that they they, they want to try to get that profit and they'll just get to market as soon as they can and you know that's how bad things happen. So it's good that you guys take your time with it, try and do everything right, transparent, clean. Yeah, that's what most companies should do, unfortunately. But that's the world and the age we live in. Um, well, especially in the crypto space as well. Yeah, Look, yeah. I've spoken to a few people about my launch and most people have told me I'm doing it wrong. I should be appearing on all the shows and I should be doing this, that and the other. And I'm kind of like, yeah, you know what? No, because I've got to be honest. It's, it's not me, it's disingenuous as F. And that's all we've had in the space. I mean, Jesus Christ, can't somebody just do a normal product launch? That's just like a normal product. And it's like, mm -hmm. guys, this is the product, it works. There you go. I don't need dancing NFTs, dancing the mariachi mm -hmm. across. I don't need Justin Bieber to wiggle his little butt on a stage for me to sell my product. It, it, it's a product that fixes a problem, gas optimized, cheap, FCA, financially regulated, wallet guard, transact on ramping boom that's it simple you know what I mean? we exactly there's not enough of that in, in this industry and that's what frustrates me the most it's like where is at this point in time where's the decentralized phones where's the decentralized ubers where's why can't i do half of all this stuff on my phone that i have to do on my computer where where's the decentralized airbnb you know where are the real world use cases where we're solving problems and applying the technology and it's because everyone's trying to make profit on the stupidest shit, NFTs and token launches and all this. And it's like it's it's what holds the industry back. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna take a massive change in mindset. Unfortunately, I think it's gonna take a lot of tradfi getting into this space and having old school values really kind of push those things mm -hmm. to come out. Which I think will start to happen in the next bull cycle that we go through, and you'll see the hype kind of get directed more towards on-chain assets and developments and you're seeing that with like coinbase's base um they ruled out their own chain they're just done with all the other shit they're just going to do it themselves and um i think you'll see a lot more of that it's going to be an yeah. interesting cycle the base one is interesting but again i would uh treat it with caution bear in mind if you look at the people who fund coinbase and are behind it mm -hmm. uh there's definitely a leading to centralization huge mm -hmm lean towards centralizing because bear in mind even if the blockchain is physically decentralized you can re-centralize other ways and that's mm -hmm. what coinbase and binance are really good at if you look at how their entire platform works it doesn't matter what you do with it you very you get centralized and id'd incredibly quickly so mm -hmm. it's gonna i mean the other thing with base is base isn't actually a dedicated blockchain base is actually a blockchain that's been is based off of another platform that they used a blockchain creator for. I think it's based off of Avalanche or something, or AVX. I was uh, reading an article about it. In fact, I was looking at it for myself because we're actually, um, one of the things we've actually started, well, a few years back, we started research on was something called 
proof of security or proof of encryption, which is basically proof of work, but the, the actual work is the encryption, decryption and validation process. So it's basically like proof of work plus. But again, it's one of these things, it's insanely complex. Mm -hmm. We need to actually make revenue before we can build it. So it's going to cost us fucking billion, millions to build because I'm not going to go and get some fun to build it. So they end up backdooring it and owning it. Right. I don't, I don't know much about the integrity of base as of yet, as well as the decentralized aspect. But I do know that their on-chain activity, I think, is as high as Solana now. It is, yeah, already, yeah. Which, which is pretty crazy. It's grown very fast in like six months, but we'll see how well, that I pans mean, out. If you're going to offer a free airdrops, just like Blur do, of course you're going to get a fucking user base. I mean, this is the other thing. Come on, mm -hmm. Blur. They destroyed the NFT marketplace. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that was insane. But again, it was obvious it was going to happen because the NFT marketplace and all of this has been getting closer to derivatives and securities trading than anything else very, very rapidly. I mean, it's been heading towards Wolf of Wall Street penny share marketing days really rapidly. And, th and this is where, I mean, we're at that point in the industry with all the platforms going down. We're at that Wolf of Wall Street point, actually. Hence now the regulation discussion. But regulation is good, I'm afraid, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. It is. It's necessary. You know, if you want to stop people having to commit suicide because they keep losing their money on these platforms, that just go which are just there to pump and dump, we need some form of regulation. And it will I, I help mainstream adoption, too. I agree. It, it'll clear up so many issues one it'll clear up the scams the ponzi's the bullshit the ftx's the voyagers the block fires the celsius's things like that that have happened in the space like that boom gone you know we'll have at least less of it a little bit more of a sensibility and then on the you know traditional centralized government side you'll get some agencies off your back too you'll mm -hmm. actually have a a playground where you can do these things and you can offer things and you can find a little bit of a, an in-between. And, you know, maybe that's where decentralized technology can begin to flourish, I think, for the first time. Because right now what we have is just, again, Wild West, um, uncharted seas in a lot of ways. And people are just doing anything and everything. You, you saw that this year with Pepe coin. It just continues. It's nonstop. And... Um, and yeah, the sooner that gets limited, the better, I think, for this industry. I mean, it's also the internal culture. It's like uh, I've been a member of lots of projects. And you'll notice that as soon as a pro when it's becoming obvious that the project is a pump and dump and that the founders are not going to fulfill their promises, you'll notice that you'll get a lot of the community go, oh, but we can't say anything, guys. You mustn't fud out the project. You mustn't. Fun I mean, I've actually had this. I mean, I used to be, a part, I was a very big proponent of Orange Comet, The Walking Dead, which was an officially licensed Walking Dead project. I mean, this thing was, was beautiful, man. We're mm -hmm. talking about beautiful. This Orange Comet had some of the first true HD 4K 3D assets as NFTs in the space. I mean, these things were a work of beauty, man. I jest you not. And, but they weren't cheap. Now, when you look at Orange Comet, they promised a lot and hugely underdelivered. There was meant to be an unreal game. There was meant to be the way of, first of all, it was going to be a play to it was going to be a pay, a play to a play to earn game, but they very quickly mm. backpedaled on that. Then it was going to be a card collecting game. They very quickly backpedaled until the point where they just basically just said to everybody in the community across all of their Discord, guys, you know what? We're not going to give any deadlines anymore. We're not going to tell you when we're delivering stuff. We're just going to you, you just get it when you get it. Bear in mind, people subscribed to an NFT that was meant to give uh, five airdrops a year 
for three years. You know what I mean? That's what people were paying for. They sold it hard. They said five airdrops, five a year for three years. That's a big sale. In fact, that sounds almost like a promise. And in fact, it's almost an SEC complaint. And yes, we have had that discussion. Now, these guys, they're not the only project they had. They had The Walking Dead. They had Anthony Hopkins. They had Scotty Pippen. The Scotty Pippen one was the best. They got Scotty Pippen to pump this project huge. Yay, Scotty Pippen virtual trainers. And then when they released it to the general public, it's exactly the same model for every NFT across the rares, unrares, and epics. So basically, complete screw over. So anyway, they have now, they no longer speak to their community. And the community now spends their time in the Discord hoping for information. Now, I got a lot of shit from several community members because I used to I used to uh, pull up Paul Camuso, who is a guy in the industry. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, yeah, he's well known in the industry. He made it to the Bitcoin table, whatever, you know, the Bitcoin whatever fucking table, paid his way on there, whatever. Uh, he's been involved in a lot of pump and dumps. He's very big in the TV and Hollywood. He's a, he's a close friend of William Shatner's. Basically, he and I butted heads a lot. But us butting heads is what kept the project honest. They delivered when we were busting heads. It kept them on point. Now, as soon as other members of the community started joining in, joining in that whole, you know, the classic narrative, oh, if you say anything, you're fudding. If you say anything, you're fudding the bags for everybody. As soon as that happened, <laughs> the all of the, basically, all of the founders at Orange Comet were like, cool, we're not speaking to nobody no more. Go fuck yourselves. And that was it. So now, everybody in the Orange Comet community has set up a separate Discord because Orange Comet don't talk to them no more. And there is discussions mm-hmm. of an SEC filing because a lot of promises were made. Nothing has been de- delivered. And the Scotty Pippin mystery box drop was a literal loot box mechanic. It was literal gambling. They literally sold it on the premise of inferred increase of profit. You know, it was a proper... So, yes, Orange Comet, yeah. I, called your, I called your ass out. You've been called out, man. Yeah, come up. <laughs> there, there's so many projects, uh, individuals, companies, whatever, protocols... NFTs that, that literally hang themselves. It's it's like there's enough problems where we have agencies getting really nosy. Why would you just make it so clear that you're doing something wrong? It's it's another thing that irks me quite a bit about about this space. But, but we, we, sorry, go sorry ahead, to interrupt. I think I know what it is. In the space, everybody is used to everybody saying, "But it's crypto, guys. You expect it to take longer." That's what they're working on. I mean, I looked, I spoke to members, other members of uh, pre-existing projects of Orange Comet. Like they did, they did a NASCAR project and they actually did some um, hockey, NHL, NHL projects. And they literally just, uh, Kraken was one of them, Kraken NHL. It was like the first time a big NHL team had got involved in NFTs. Mm-hmm. And I've met some of the people involved in that project and they dumped tens of thousands because they're like super fans. To this day, bear in mind, that project was like four years ago. To this day, they still haven't got anything. Literally haven't got anything. And I, that's why I said to everybody in The Walking Dead, guys, we got to roll. Because it's obvious based on their history, they are not going to deliver. They're just going to move to, yeah, they're now advertising moving to a new blockchain, the SUI network. So they can do the same thing all over again. And why? Because as a community, we let them do this. Bear in mind, ladies and gentlemen, I'm actually going to say this to you guys. As a community, we do this to ourselves. We keep saying, oh, we can't fud each other's bags, guys. Where's the loyalty? Sorry, it's not disloyal. And it's not FUD saying, guys, there's red flags here. Why is the founder disappeared for three weeks and not said anything? That's a red flag. I don't care that you say, <laughs> well, 
I heard from so and so, from so and so, they had to take his little son Timmy out to get his teeth capped. I don't give a mother. No, no, this is a business. <laughs> NFTs are a business. We are not your friends. We're not your mates. We're not your close friend from down the street. We're the CEO and founders and creators of a product that we want you to buy. So you know what? Treat us like that. Don't keep giving us, stop giving all of these founders and these tech people the benefit of the doubt just because they talk to you and make you feel good like you're your mate because they're not your freaking mates. They are looking, you are a customer. You are an investor. Don't say that we're supporters because that's how they screw you in the ass. You're not a supporter. You're not some friend that's doing some angel equity. You're probably putting in money that if you really thought about it, you can't actually afford to lose. And if that's the case, then these are not your friends. These are people that you're buying a product off of. So hold us to account the same way that you would do, say, going into going into Tesco's or going into B&M or going into Fortnum and Mason's or going wherever. Hold them to the same standards. Demand a warranty. Demand your money back. If people are not showing, if they say, if people are slipping on their deliverables, you say, hey, this is not acceptable. Why have you slipped on this? Go onto Twitter and run your own Twitter live space and call them out. Because, by the way, the only time founders get scared, like really scared, is when the community en masse jump into a Twitter live space and call their asses out. That is the only time. So stop, guys. You're doing yourself a disservice saying, oh, it's okay. They'll come back. They're going to come back. They're definitely going to come back. If I stay quiet, they'll come back. If I say nice things about them, they'll come back. No, they won't, guys. They're selling themselves with your money in Acapulco, drink, snorting cocaine off a hooker's tummy. So, yeah, <laughs> hold them to account. That is JB's PSA to the NFT in crypto community, officially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we hold people to account. I, I agree 100%. We, we've been going for uh, well over an hour. Where, where should people be uh, going to check out Cryotech, uh, Box Messenger, Vox Crypto? Where would you direct them? Okay. So, of course, like everybody else, we have a website. You can There's the Cryotech website, cryotech.co.uk. And, of course, there's the Vox Messenger website, vox-messenger.app. And there's a Vox Crypto website, oh vox-crypto.app. And we're on Twitter as well. Um, you can find it really easy just by typing in Vox Messenger into Google search bar. To be honest, it's probably the easiest. And we do have a link tree as well, which is T3KAOS. T3KAOS. Again, I'm using names that people can find a lot of information about. I'm a very public person. I don't hide anything. A few of the end, there, there are people out there who have gone, I found your telephone number. Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> I publish it everywhere. Oh, wow. You doxed me. Woo. Yeah. I'm a public person. I really am. You have to be if you're going to be in this space. So mm -hmm. don't worry. I'm not going to be ever saying to you, anybody, guys, I'm, I, I need to take a mental health day. You won't see me for six months uh, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. No, I'm reachable. I'm available. Um, contact me. Uh, you can search my name, find me, or it's a very unique name, JB Web Benjamin. It's the only one that comes on a Google search. So, yes. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on the web. Awesome, man. I, I had someone a couple of weeks ago that was like, I found both of your phone numbers. Why do you have two? And I'm like, I live in Columbia, dude. <laughs> like, I have to. <laughs> and I mean, and I, it's on my email. It's on on the website. It's it's literally everywhere. Like, for people that need to contact me, either oh. in the U.S. or internationally, it's 
I, I, I got three, <laughs> and one of them is my blockchain Sega phone. Hey, nice. How yes. do you like it? Is it good? Um, I gotta be honest, I only use it for one thing. It's a hardware wallet. <laughs> I got all my basically I back up all my wallets to this one because it's actually got a hardware uh -huh. encryption chip on it. It's actually got a good feel to it. Um, it's actually a, in terms of an actual phone, the Sega phone is actually like a legit nice phone, actually. Just mm -hmm. on its own. It's just a nice phone. It's bloody heavy. So if somebody tries to mug you for your Bitcoin uh, seed phase, you can literally beat them to death with a titanium cover. That, that, that's a good perk. I, I literally thought about just, you know, getting a phone and removing all the vaporware and everything on it as much as possible. And then just having a crypto wallet, like it's like the best touch screen well, it, wallet probably you could that. have. It's not just that the Sega phone actually has an encryption chip built into the actual phone. It actually has a oh, 256 nice. AS chip. So, so basically the way they've actually abstracted it is when your crypto wallet is stored on the phone, the phone's operating system never, ever gets to see your seed phrase. So it's black boxed. I mean, we're actually going to be putting, we're actually going to be doing Vox Crypto and Vox Messenger as a dApp on the Solana network so that you can use it on the Sega phone specifically because we like it so much. That's cool. I'm going to have to check that out. That's that's fascinating. I, no, I can always get another phone. I have like oh, three oh. at this point. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Hold on, before we get into trouble with the SEC, that I do not work for a financial organization. I'm not a financial expert, and nothing said in any shape or form is a financial recommendation. Do your own research. Oh, 100%. Anything said on this show, period, is purely educational. We don't offer any kind of advice. We don't sell anything. This is for your educational benefit and to learn. Yeah. Please learn something from this show, from JB, from myself. Um, yeah, JB, thank you for taking the time, man. Really appreciate it. It's been a really good conversation. Uh, so much value in this. Can't wait to share it with people. And uh, let's let's do it again sometime in the future. And I'm definitely going to be using Box Messenger. So signal um, goodbye. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to use that as a quote, man. I'm going to use that as a quote. Like <laughs> perfect, perfect. All right, man. Take care. We'll talk soon. Final message from our sponsor, Nitro Betting. Nitro Betting gives you so many options to bet, wager, play with a deep sports book from NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, MMA to motorsports, poker, blackjack, esports, Rocket League, Call of Duty. You name it. There's plenty of diversity and choice. So go to nitrobetting.eu to experience everything they have to offer. All links are in the description for the episode. And see you guys on the next one.